Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by BSO and ABF Creative and is scheduled for one fall. And on the mic, we have the one and only Robert Latow. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They trying to take the wave from your boy. Messing with your boy, better pray for your boy. It's Robert Latow. Keep that same energy podcast. Let's get to the opening bell. Before we get into the topics of the day, we have a special interview with Jamel and Jamal Charlo, the Charlo brothers. They'll be fighting on Fox pay-per-view this weekend against Sergey Dervinchenko and Jose Rosario, and they had a lot to say. Check out the interview. A lot of people have been talking about... Uh, you know, fighting with or without fans. So you guys have a, both you and your brother have a big uh, fan base, a lot of passionate uh, fans. How do you see yourself kind of adjusting to that in uh, such a, a big fight, but having to do it without, you know, a, as many of your supporters uh, in the arena a, as usual? Well, I just got to go in that fight, you know. Uh, I have it on my mind, you know. Uh, I, I'm not through. I, I've been looking at it on TV, so. I've been seeing how it looks, you know, in the NBA and the NFL's doing it, uh, um, baseball's doing it. So you got to think like, you know, it's our box. So of course, you know, I, I got to get adjusted to it, but I'm pretty sure it won't be so tough, you know, once I get in there. I understand that. It definitely makes sense. Uh, it's interesting. You you see this matchup with Sergey, and a lot of people are talking more and giving him more credit for his actual losses. Uh, you know, that is wins, you know, Daddy Jacobs and, and Triple G. And, and a, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, he's this is the one where he's going to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, break through. Do you feel like that's kind of a level of, of disrespect uh, towards you as, as, as saying, well, you know, he didn't beat Danny Jacobs. He didn't beat Triple G. But, oh, but the Charlo, you know, he, he, he's going to get Jamal. Do you feel like that's kind of a level of disrespect? Uh, no, I mean, they just haven't seen the explosive Jamal Charlo, the people who do, do think that, you know, I fight for the people who love me. I don't really care about uh, the people who don't. So, you know, um, I know they're going to say things like that. That's that's part of coming with the territory. You know, I'm the champ. At the end of the day, they got to face me. They got to get through me. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I know that's what they're saying. I know that's what they're thinking, but it's different. Uh, Serge probably... Now, now, do you scout, when you scout your opponents, do you go back and, and watch their old fights, or are you more like the type that, hey, I got to get in the ring with the guy and I just adjust, um, you know, my game plan if needed when I get in there, or, or do you go and look at their previous fights, see what they did well, what they didn't do well, and kind of uh, make your game plan around that, or is that more something you let your trainer handle? How, how do you as a fighter do, do that? Um, I let Ronnie Shields do all the scouting, and uh, um, I, I watch tape and I watch film. Also, I know everything about the guy. Um, I know I know what's going on. I'm not gonna go in there blind, like like as if I don't know what's going on. But like you know, it's gonna be a, be a big fight. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I've seen him train hard once before, so I'm pretty sure he's out there training hard for me now. And um, I'm on his mind every given second. You know, I know I know how it is to be a fighter. So I, I don't take nothing from that guy. I know it's going to be a good fight. I know it's going to be a big fight for him. 
is it one of those type of situations where you're kind of excited about this type of opponent? Because, like you said, you're the champ. Uh, you're the one that you have a lot of, you know, technical skills, but you also have the power. So a lot of times fighters are, are trying to stay away from you, trying to stay away from your power, not engaging with you. You know, Sergey's, you know, you know his style. He's coming forward. He wants to, a firefight. Do you get excited uh, for that? Because now, you know, you know he's going to be in your range and you guys are going to, you know, bang it out. It gives you really an opportunity to show all your skills. Um... I want to say, yeah, but then I, de I, de I don't want to, like, look, look, I'm not taking nothing away from Sergey um, or, the Sir or, or, or all his fans that, that believe that he can fight me and beat me. Uh, you know, I'm just a young black fighter with a big dream of becoming one of the best fighters to ever live. And at this point, he's in the way and i got a job to do i got miles to feed and i stand for everything that i i stand for so i'm definitely not necessarily worried about what the critics and the people say about me they not fighting me Sergey is so we'll see how he do with me and speaking of that you know obviously training and getting ready for a fight takes up a, a lot of focus um, you know, when you're especially world-class fighter like yourself, a professional, a champion, but with all the stuff that else is that's going on in the world, not just, you know, with the pandemic and the coronavirus, but like you said, you're a young black fighter, uh, you know, that I, I obviously comes with a certain amount of responsibility as well. Um, you know, how do you, you know, coming from Texas and everything, do you try to you know, block that stuff out while you're training or do you try to use it as fuel? It's like, hey, I can be motivation for my people and just how do you deal with, you know, that other side of, you know, social justice and things that are going on while you're in the middle of training for such a big fight? Um, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm definitely focused uh, on my fight and um, at the same time, like the, the news media and only thing that we got Right now, when sports are out and when when there's nothing going on, is the injustice for the with the you know police brutality and and uh you know watching like the the things going on with Breonna Taylor and Jacob Place like you know the you know we gotta we you know I'm 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 a black fighter you know so of course this is lingering in the atmosphere but I'm focused on my fight at the same time and I'm focused on like. Staying COVID free and and being the best Jamal Shaw I can be. There's nothing I really can do about what's going on because it's been going on for so many years. Um, I just gotta continue to you know keep winning and maybe I can win over some of those hearts that don't believe in me and um maybe I can help people who who um, need help one day. Yeah, you know you, you you know you have those those titles. You know, like the future. You know, boxing and lions. You know, only it's a lot of empowerment. In those type of statements, uh, do you see you and your brother as, you know, kind of role models uh, as, as people that have come up, you know, worked hard, got to a certain level and are continued to, to bring your own people, you know, up with you? Uh, is that something that you're proud of, obviously, and then something that you want to continue on? But, you know, you have to continue it on by actually, you know, winning these fights and everything. So is that something that's, that kind of in the back of your, your mind that you're doing so much, you know, with the empowerment of not just black fighters, but black people in general? 
Yes, you know, um, uh, like like I said, you know, um, R.P. to George Floyd, but the things that happened to him was just straight unfair. I don't want to ever be caught up in one of those unfair situations, and I don't want my kids to have to, have to go through anything like that. So hopefully the world can uh, all can embrace a better heart and, and make the world a better place. Um, but it's going to start with, you know, getting a, the person in charge of that's in charge of all the people that's not doing right, which is the, you know, uh, commander-in-chief, the president himself, uh, he's not really on our side when it comes to things like this or that nature. So we just got to wait it out, you know, and, and hopefully we get something better in the long run. Um, you know, like I said, you're from, you're from Texas. Uh, there's a lot of great fighters uh, that, that come out of out of Texas and everything. Do you consider that, like, uh, you know, for, for such a long time, you know, you hear Vegas, uh, you, you know, you hear New York when it's, you know, Mecca of boxing and things like that. Can you talk just a little bit about how Texas now is really stepping up with the, the amount of fighters, you know, your, 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 you, your brother, uh, Earl, of course, Virgil Ortiz um, is from there, just to name a, a few. Like, how, how, how is that, that Texas boxing, you know, how, how is that grind, you know, how is that them Lions are, are coming out of Texas, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that culture down there? I mean, um, Everything is bigger in Texas, they say. <laughs> you know, uh, Big Charlo, you know, Big Earl, you know, out of Dallas. And they got some fighters out in El Paso that's doing pretty good, too. They got some fighters, like, close to the border. I mean, like I said, like, we got we got jungles everywhere in Texas. And that's the things when people don't know. It's hard to make it out of Texas. It's hard to be from Texas, you know, we had, when people say Texas, they think like country and, you know, that's all entwined with everything, but like I said, you know, being from Texas, the nice weather, you know, train year round, Texas beat the best athletes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that is see that all you guys are coming out of there and it's uh, really great uh, to see. So, uh, you know, final question before I let you go here, uh, just for all of your fans and all the Sergey's fans and, and everyone that's going to be watching, because I think this is the th- these fights that are coming up are the most anticipated since you know the pandemic has happened. You know what can they expect to see out of Big Charlo um, on in September coming up against Sergey, and, and and just what they can expect you know from the fight. Uh, a big fight, you know, it's going to be a brutal fight. I'll come to fight, you know. Um, I know he's coming to fight. And and um, you just expect some some good power. You expect me to be the smartest I've ever been, and uh, maybe even the strongest I've ever been. But like I've been working on pretty much everything. So just expect a better Jamal Charlo than you ever had. Up next is the interview with Jamal Charlo. My first question for you was: How have you been handling things? You know, with the pandemic. Uh, with the longer layoff than you used to, um, how's that kind of experience, you know, been for you? I'm excited, dog. This has been the best time of my life. I I, I make boxing around, you know, build boxing around me. You know, I you know, and, and training training amongst the highest hard as I go. You know, it's been able to let me recover better. You know, a lot of people can take this as a bad thing. You know, they gotta go to a gym and stuff, but I'm not that tight, dog. I gotta keep on grinding, keep on going. Never let it slow me down. 
you think that's been beneficial for you is that you've been able to like really focus and, and hone Absolutely. in yeah yeah at, at your house but I, I know a lot of people have said that you know being closer to their family not having to spend that time away uh, has actually helped them uh with their training and, and different other sports and things like that because now that's not something that they have to worry about because as soon as they're done their their kids are there the wife is there the girlfriend is there is that something like you like you said has been yeah, beneficial nah, for you nah, nah that's not an issue to me and i operate my I, 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 I operate my whole ordeal so being with a family that's beneficial to me you know my family and everybody is supportive of my career not not supportive of the mistakes you know being in stupid stuff and arguments and all of that's not what it's about. It's about building up this one fighter, you know, who has everything in the world he wants and and, 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 and can, can do anything in the world he wants, but stand focused on fights. And these people around me are trying to see this 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 animal take care of us, be the best. You know, everybody feed, everybody eat, man. That's just what it's always meant for me. And, and so, what I, uh, speaking of the actual, you know, fight, um, I think... Uh, when it comes to Rosario and, and what happened in his fight against, you know, J-Rock. J-Rock was coming off of a big victory uh, over Jared Hurd um, and was a big yeah. favorite. Um, and obviously, you know, he got upset, you know, in his hometown and everything. You're coming off, a, a, to me, a spectacular win, uh, you know, uh, back in, I believe, in, in December uh, against Tony Harrison. You know, just seeing what happened to J-Rock, is that something that kind of helped you? Hey, look, you can't overlook, you know, anybody, really, but well, really I'm, can't I'm, overlook I'm, this guy. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, 20, I'm 20 years in the game, man. I've been in the amateurs. You don't overlook nobody. Boxing is boxing, man. Anything can happen. Uh, you know, styles make fights, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm deadly animal in there. No matter who it is, you know, I fight hard. I fight to the, to the bell ring. Uh, I don't stop it. And at the end of the day, that's what their objective is. You know, they're going to risk my life. I got to make them put theirs up. So I'm not going to be playing these games back and forth with somebody. I already know what it is and what it takes. Uh, like you said, I've been in a, 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 a tough fight coming off a of victory. I lost before. I know how it hurt. I know how it feel. I'm not here to bad J-Rock on what he did, but I just don't think that I, I, I do believe that I could, I, could, I could do something way different than what he done to make me uh, victorious. And speaking of styles make fights, obviously coming off the, the, the two fights uh, with Harrison and then Cotto, uh, you know, that's a kind of a different style than what Rosario, Rosario brings, you know, to the table. Um, I, I asked your brother this, too, as well. When, when you're scouting a, a fighter, is it more about, you know, what you do in the ring and you're not really concerned what he brings to the table? Or is it something where you do, you know, watch tape of him, you know, styles make fights and try to build your game everybody, plan out? Everybody at the top for a reason. Mm -hmm. Everybody a deadly animal. Everybody go hard. So it's like, at the end of the day, I know what I bring to the table, what I possess in the ring. And they willing to take that chance. Sometimes that ain't always a good thing, you know, like... Mm -hmm. You, you you step on that line, it's, it it can you can cliff fall off the cliff, you know. And, and I'm 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 that guy, you know. And I know my skills. I know what I bring to the table. Like like I've been saying, and I know one thing he can't do is deal with me. So I'm excited. I'm excited to get in the ring and see what my young thirty year old Janelle Charlo can do. <laughs> One of the, the things that I think is great about this fight is in the era where there's, you know, so many, you know, belts and so many organizations and everything. This is a legit uh, unification fight uh, for three belts. There's not too many fighters 
um, in the game right now that can say they have a legitimate, legitimately have, you know, three of the sanctioning body belts, the real ones, not the interims, not the super, the regulars and all of that, the real ones. You know, how much of a motivation is that, uh, knowing that that doesn't happen that often in, in this day and time in boxing? The, 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 the belts are dope, and it's always fun to have. It's just, you know, fighting is fighting. I'm excited about, you know, during this hard time in America, they made such a, it was able to put together such a great fight. And two warriors like myself and Rosario agreed to make this happen. I'm excited to be able to put on a performance. Uh, it's a lot of shit that's going to be different. I'm not going to be used to it, but. If I consider myself the champion that I am, give me the belts and let me make that the, uh, adjustments. Fight without people and fight without fans. And hopefully, just one day boxing get back to what it is. But hey, if this is a new beginning, let it be. You know, and I, I feel like, you know, whenever anything, some always start off. I want to come out. I want to lead the race. And I want to finish lead. And that's the interesting thing. Obviously, uh, you have a, a very big fan base. Uh, you know, family, friends coming out of Texas, a lot of supporters uh, and things like that. And like you said, now you're you're going to be fighting a, a big fight, uh, but a fight that will you know not be with a, a lot of fans. Uh, is that something that you can even prepare for, or is it just something you just have to experience once it actually starts happening to see how it affects you? Uh, you know, like I said, bro, I answered that question for you before you had to ask. <laughs> difference it's a difference you know what i'm saying i gotta make that difference absolutely i gotta gotta make that adjustment and you also spoke about you know everything that's going on you know in the world i mean it just wasn't like a you know a standard you know layoff uh not just with the 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 coronavirus and stuff but what we see happening uh you know to, to black people black men black women um in the streets is that something that you know while you're in the midst of training and your big fight that you you keep an eye on and, and see if there's a way mm-hmm. they make you fight man when you think about it you think about how angry it gets it turns you from that beast to that savage mm-hmm. you know you know that's what i like about it i'm turning into a whole nother animal but you know my skills and my muscle memory and what i've been doing for all of this long time mm-hmm. is going to take me through but how bad i really want it i want it bad like all the people on justice I want to win this fight. That's 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 dope. I mean, that's what channeling that is is a is a good thing to to bring into an arena. Like, do you see yourself uh, kind of as that role model, showing you know someone that has come up, worked really hard uh, to get where he's at, um, and is is someone that is achieving wealth, uh, you know, doing smart business moves, things like that. Do you feel yourself as like kind of a role model to the community uh, that you're in? I just hope this fight bring me, make me out to be a role model. Like I ask God to let this be my platform to change lives. And if this is it, this is it. You know, and I want this moment. I want to enjoy the moment. And I respect everybody that's respecting me. And we, we live in, you know. Um, I started the YouTube channel, Ringside with Alliance. And I want the world to follow it because I can't do nothing but be the natural Jamel Charlotte. And if they like it, they like it. They don't, they don't. But subscribe enjoy it uh try to keep putting out good videos and and, and make the world of boxing know what it takes to be a champion and just kind of the last thing i want to ask you this is a very kind of unique uh setup in the sense that it's a it's a pay-per-view uh with you and your brother but it's kind of split 
um, in the two cards and everything. I always, you know, when, when you, you have a, you know, a quote-unquote sibling uh, rivalry, obviously you want your brother and everything to do well. In the, in the back of your mind, you're like, you know something, you know, it's a competition as well. I want to, you know, outperform or, or do better or steal the show, uh, as they say, especially since you guys are, are on the uh, same card and has been on the same card a, a few times. Well, I mean, yeah, we've been on the same card. It, it's like, it's the same mirror motivation that I had when I was younger. It's even better now. You know, we fight on pay-per-view. Some we mm-hmm. we used to watch in order ourselves, and it's us now. So coming from where we come from and how hard it's been, you know, it's a, it's an amazing thing for, for the both of us. Wow. So mm-hmm. uh, it takes a lot to be where we at. You know, and I, you know, sometimes I don't realize that because I'm still pushing like I'm like I'm not there. Uh, and, but, but when you realize it sometimes, you're like, wow, we made it pretty far. But now we're deep in the ocean. They want me to swim back to shore to feed my family. I got to bring some of this, some of the stuff that I learned with me, and that's what it is. You can check out the Charlo Brothers uh, this Saturday, Fox Pay Per View. It's a unique pay per view. The first time that it's a you get a double header against Sergey Derevchenko and Jason Rosario. Uh, six fights in total, all quality, 50-50 type of matchups so be sure to check it out and now to the opening bell normally i start off the opening bell with some sports talk keep it light uh, but i wanted to make sure that people understood that i was not surprised uh, about the cops that murdered brianna taylor not being charged i just needed to get that out there i'm going to talk about it more in the Injustice League segment about what we can actually do to make sure justice is actually served because there's a fundamental problem in the way that we're going about it and I want to address that. But I just want people not to be surprised. I know it hurts and I know it's bothersome, but you know the amount of cops that are actually charged with murder in comparison to how many people they shoot or attempted murder is it's very, very, very low. The fact that the DA is chummy with Trump spoke at the Republican convention trying to get a Supreme Court justice seat. You see who he's married to. It it just wasn't going to happen. A lot of times these DAs, they're supposed to work for the victim. Honestly, they're supposed to work for the victim. But when the victim has been wronged by the cops a lot of times they're they're working for the cops i saw it with mike brown i saw the da basically help the cop get off manufacture evidence didn't really investigate change the story a hundred times ignore witnesses all type of stuff had the autopsy reports cooked up that that's what happens so it's, it's not surprising like i said i'm going to get more into it in the Justice League segment, but I just want to, I feel bad for her family because I always say this, it sucks, you know, yeah, everybody knows your name now, but you're still deceased. You know what I mean? Like, you would much prefer to be here and nobody knew your name. But we'll talk about that some more. Uh, I wanted to get into Tyrod Taylor. With so much stuff going on in 2020, some of these stories are 
they they hit real fast and you're like what what and then they're like gone <laughs> just that quick but like this is a like if this was 2018 like this is a serious thing he, he could have died if you don't know the story he he was getting a pain injection shot because he hurt his ribs. And the, the, the Chargers doctors, I was getting ready to call them the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers doctor, punctured his, his lung. You can die like that. And now the doctors are like, ah, we don't know when you should play again because, you know, you need your lungs. And getting hit in the chest by 300-pound men is not, you know, the move. And the crazy thing is I found out, and I think I already knew this, but I verified is that in the CBA, if the the player can decline, you know, having the pain-killing injection, but if he decides he wants the pain-killing injection, he gives up his rights to sue. Now, my thing is if there's gross negligence, I don't know how exactly that would work. I don't know exactly how, how that would work. But that that was a terrible situation. That's a that's a crazy way to lose your job, honestly. And he's probably never getting it back, even if he comes back healthy. Because I mean, once you go with a rookie, a high drafted rookie quarterback, you might as well just leave him in there. You might as well just let him take his lumps. He's the you know, Justin Herbert's the future. Now granted, maybe you wanted him to start Next year, like a Patrick Mahomes, or, or you was going to wait till you lost three, four games in a row. But whatever the case, is in there now. And he looks competent. Like, he's going to make mistakes, of course. But he looks like he knows what he's doing in there. Rookie quarterbacks are much, much different um, in 2020. Probably this last 10 years, rookie quarterbacks are, are much – they're getting better coaching in college. <laughs> And they're coming into the NFL more prepared if they're with the right team, the right coaching staff, and, and all of that stuff. If that happens, then then they're, they're good to go. I mean, they may not be Hall of Famers, but they're they're capable. But you're seeing it now, you know, with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Uh, if you have the right coaching staff and you got talent, you, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. So... Tough break for Tyrod Taylor, but it seems like it's the Justin Herbert show going forward. Deion Sanders is now the head coach at Jackson State University. That's an HBCU, for those who don't know, a historically black college and university. Um, I don't know how this is going to go. You know, it's a big name, and he came in with the police escort, and he dancing, and he got the jacket and all of that stuff. I don't know if Deion... Is it actually a, a, a good coach or not? I know he's, he was an offensive coordinator at a high school, and they've won several high school uh, national championships. Now, once again, I don't know if that's just because where he's at in Texas, they just have the better players, <laughs> and that's why. I mean, Jackson State, he's not going to have, you know, all the elite players. I know every time this happens and a big-name guy gets a coach at an HBCU, be it a college uh, basketball or college football, they assume that they're going to get all of these five-star recruits. It, it just it just doesn't happen. They just don't, don't have the facilities and the pipeline to the NFL, which a lot of these kids want. They don't have the TV 
deals. Now, maybe that's something that Dion can help with. Maybe he can get it on Barstool. I don't know. But normally they don't have the, the TV deals and they don't have the exposure that you can get at a Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama, you know, the conferences, the, you know, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12 uh, Pac now. I remember when it was the Pac-8. Uh, they don't have the same type of access. So, you know, he's not gonna, he may get one, but he's not going to get like a bunch. So we have to see if he if he's a good I mean if he's a good coach that's fine I know I know ideally he wants to be uh, he wants one of those big he wants the Florida States he wants the the Miamis that's that's who he wants to coach so we have to see how that uh, goes for Dion it can go either way I think it could be a like a super super failure like I mean like a crash and burn type of failure or he could be good. You know, for a couple of years, and then you know now these big time universities seeing that he actually knows what he's doing, and yeah, you put Deion Sanders in, in, in a, on a certain uh, high level college football campus, yeah, he's going to get some big time you know recruits. So we have we have to see um, how that how that goes. And it's just a very interesting thing. There was some some talk about him bringing in T.O. and Warren Sapp as assistant coaches. They shot that down. I guess he was joking, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see those type of guys hanging out on, you know, campus. And like I said, think, look, watch out for something, you know, some sort of Barstool, HBCU, Deion Sanders collaboration. I know that sounds strange, but I would not be shocked, uh, you know, by that. We're almost at the end of the uh, NBA playoffs. Uh, we got two good series going on right now with the Heat and the Celtics and the Lakers. Uh, and the Nuggets, probably more interesting than the Lakers and the Nuggets. You know, the, the Nuggets are an uh, interesting team. They've kind of become fan favorites just from the way uh, that they play. Some white girl, you know, says she's down in the bubble. It's only four teams left. She's taking videos from the bubble hotel saying she got paid $7,000 to come down to the bubble. People trying to figure out who it is. You're at the end game now, to quote Dr. Strange, so if you're an NBA player, you might as well you know, just let it go. Yeah, you're only a few weeks out, and hell, and, and you know if you're the the the, the Celtics, you one game out, you just wasted your seven thousand dollars. You just could have waited. You just gotta you just gotta wait. <laughs> don't don't waste your money. Don't waste your money. You can just chill out and wait, and everything will be okay. You just wasted seven thousand dollars, especially when she out here putting it on TikTok. That that should be. Your, your thought process in, if, am I going to bring an IG model a thought to the bubble? Will she put it on TikTok? If she's going to put it on TikTok, then you should probably rethink it and just hold your horses. Now, don't be like the other guy, though, that, you know, got with the, with the maid or something, the testing agent or whatever. Somebody, they kicked, they, you know, they kicked him out. I mean, it didn't really matter because, the, like, the Rockets lost the next game, but still. It's a more of a principality, you know, issue. Just focus. You're trying to win a championship. Just focus. It's been another crazy week, so let's get into what in the blue hell. What in the blue hell? Vanessa Bryant's mom did an interview in Spanish, and she said Vanessa kicked her out the house and took her car away. And let me let me... The, the thing that bothers me about this is, look, I don't know what's going on in that household. I don't know what, you know, who's right, who's wrong. I don't know what their relationship has been. 
for their entire lives. I don't know any of that. It's not my place. It's just as a, a parent, one would think, you know your daughter has lost her husband and lost her 13-year-old daughter. Like, no one should go through through that. No one. No one should go through that. Through that. We just saw James White, you know, lose his 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 dad and his mom is in the hospital because of a car accident. No one, you know, people losing their lives because of coronavirus, their parents, their kids or whatever it may be. Nobody should go through that. The last thing that you would think as a parent you would want to do is exasperate that situation by going to the media and crying about a car and, and an apartment. You know what I mean? Like, you're not out on the street. We know you got a couple of dollars. Like, whatever the thing is, keep that private. That's one thing that really grinds, you know, my gears. Is that when you know someone is either going through something or you know someone is doing well and has moved on from certain things, don't go public with with stuff that that you know is just going to cause them more pain and struggle. Vanessa already is 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 dealing with a lot, and now she's having she's suing the L.A. County Sheriff's Department because it was bad enough that the deputies were taking pictures of Kobe's and Gigi's and the other people in the helicopters dead bodies. That was terrible in and of itself. It was doubly terrible that they were going to bars and, and, and showing other people trying to pick up women by showing the dead bodies. But the fact that the L.A. County Sheriff Department tried to cover it up is a hundred times worse. See, they don't care. These are the same people that's telling LeBron that it's his fault that some cops got shot. But they cover up this. The only reason we know about it is the bartender at the bar saw the cops do it, alerted the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, said, hey, your cops are doing some real shady stuff, and then didn't hear anything back for three weeks. It was like, hmm, I don't think these people were punished for this sick behavior. And that's how, that's how Vanessa found out. The bartender went to the press and the sheriff's department had to, to basically speak on it at that point. Just, just don't do this. It's just, it's just not a nice thing to do when you know someone is grieving or you know someone is happy. Like, it can go both ways. You have to be real bitter to, to bring up these things publicly that you know that's going to call angst for someone. And really you could have kept in house that, that, that grinds, you know, my gears that, 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 that really, really does. The other crazy story that I saw, uh, that we wrote about this week was the brat saying that she was beating up Allen Iverson side chicks. <laughs> Did you know that the brat and Allen Iverson, um, uh, dated briefly before she went, you know, full the other way. And I guess she said she said the reason that they broke up is just he just had he had too many, too many women. It's kind of odd because Alan Iverson was married for a, a long, a long time. Remember Tawana? Did Tawana tell you that? You probably don't know that quote. You're probably too young for it. Did Tawana tell you that? That's what AI mom uh, said when some reporters had asked some questions. 
Yeah, I mean, but the brat, you know, has, has beaten up several people in her her lifetime. So this is not a surprising uh, story. Not surprising the least bit. But I find that interesting. Because sometimes you hear stuff when people are telling the story and you can visualize it. I mean, can you just visualize the way the brat told it? Some half-naked woman walking around the hotel looking for Allen Iverson, running into the brat, and then getting beat down in the hotel lobby. Like we that's when we needed social media. That's when we needed we needed social media when that happened. So them camera phones could have came out and we could have saw the brat beating up one of Allen Iverson's side chicks. Uh that would have been great. A BSO told you that Jordan Woods and, and Carl Anthony Towns had been dating for months, but now you see it's official because he grabbed the booty. Because when you once you once you take a picture grabbing the booty that that's when your relationship is official that that that's a that's an official like that's better than going to the court and getting a document that's maybe better maybe better than a marriage certificate if you're taking a picture calling her your queen and grabbing the booty then you guys are official official there's no there's no question there's no maybe maybe they're friends maybe they're just dating if you grab the booty they take a picture and you put it on the gram that's official official that's more official than if your girlfriend got pregnant and you took those maternity photos and you put your hand on a, a belly there's still people be out there who say oh well, maybe they just a co-parenting but if you put the hand on the ba- the belly and the booty then it's official official it's official official then <laughs> good good for them I, I heard that Jordan um, was really there for him while he was going uh, through some tough times you know his mom passed away from the coronavirus and his dad got sick as well and I heard that Jordan was was with him um, he was when George Floyd was murdered by the cops he was right there and in, in, even though his, his mom had just passed he was right there in Minneapolis uh, with the people and I can I can really uh, respect that him him and i've n- not always seen eye to eye on everything some trivial stuff but you know i definitely wouldn't wish any any bad on anybody and I, if he's happy you know I, i'm very glad that that they look like a very happy uh couple and, and hopefully his 2021 uh will be uh, a bit better now as promised at the beginning of the show i have more things to say uh about brianna taylor but in general um, something that, that, that I did a video about that you can check out on social media, Facebook and Instagram, uh, about hashtags. So let's get into the injustice league. The injustice league. Like I said, I wasn't surprised that the, that the cops that, that killed Breonna Taylor weren't charged with murder. I wasn't surprised at all. They actually mocked the people that wanted justice because the one charge that they did give the the one cop, it was for shooting into other apartments. But the person, the people that he was shooting in into the other apartments, they were all white. They didn't even charge him for the black people apartments that he shot in. That's like just a slap in the face. Like they, they know what they're doing, you know, with that. But I woke up thinking about, we gotta, we gotta, change the way that we're asking for justice and well i shouldn't even say acts i should say demanding 
justice? Because if you think about it, social media is a beautiful thing in regards to awareness. Without awareness, then you wouldn't know what was going on. So with the advent of smartphones and technology and social media, you see a lot more of the injustices that are happening. It spreads a lot faster. And that's one part of it. That's great. You know, 20 years ago, maybe we never even know about Breonna Taylor. I'm sure something happened to someone similar 20, 30 years ago. I'm sure things happened to what happened to uh, George Floyd and, and Jacob Blake and others 10, 15, 20 years ago. And we just didn't know about it because there was no outlet for us to see everything that was going on in our country. That's a great thing. It definitely helps because now we see it. Maybe people that didn't want to see it, now they see it. So they know that we wasn't, we haven't been lying about this. When I was a kid uh, in St. Louis, I saw police brutality often. <laughs> but you wouldn't have known it unless you were in the neighborhood. Even 20 miles outside of St. Louis, maybe people wasn't even aware of it. But they are now. So we have the awareness part down. We just haven't got the justice part down. And that's kind of a scary, scary thing if you think about it. Because we can have a million tweets about a hashtag. We can have LeBron and, and, and President Obama and Oprah and all of these people asking for justice, but we still don't get it. And this is not like a just a Breonna Taylor thing. I mean, you remember Trayvon Martin? I mean, everybody was wearing hoodies. Everybody wanted justice for Trayvon Martin. But George, Stim George Zimmerman is still out here walking around free, mocking the fact that he shot a 17-year-old kid. I mean, Tamir Rice was 12. They shot him. The guy got off. There was no charges. We've seen it over and over again that there's millions of people marching. There's millions of people putting up stuff on hashtags. The brands and the leagues and the networks through their fake symbolism and racism. It takes all of us. Black Lives Matter on the court, all of that stuff. But we're not getting any, any justice. We're getting a lot of engagement. We're getting a lot of awareness. We're not getting a lot of justice. I did a story about a 13-year-old kid, an autistic kid named Lyndon Cameron. And Lyndon Cameron, his mom called the cops because he was having a, a bit of a meltdown. He was struggling. He has mental health you know, issues, and he was struggling. And he asked, they asked the cops to come help. And the cops shot him 11 times. Now, when I initially did the story, there was no video uh, of this. So sometimes people need to see it to believe it. Because that's one of the problems in the past is that even though, well, even though you can see Rodney King and they still got off, but people didn't want to believe it. They always believed the cops' account of the story. So even though you know by now that the cops lie, people would still say, well, if the cop, the, the, the kid 
pulled this, or the black guy pulled a gun, or he's going for a knife, or whatever it may be. But now with the advent of video and body cam footage and things like that, we can see that they're lying a lot of times. Just, just go look at the initial police report for George Floyd. Go look at the initial police report for Breonna Taylor. It's totally different than what actually happened. But the, the, the body cam footage comes out, uh, and this is a white kid, Lyndon Cameron, and it shows he's he's running away from the cops. He's trying to get away from them. And they shot him 11 times. His words, he thought he was dying. He said, tell my mama I love her. He's alive, thankfully, because the cops are terrible shot. But he still got shot 11 times. And I noticed that all lives matter, nowhere to be found. The NRA, nowhere to be found. Trump, nowhere to be found. White autistic kid gets shot by the cops 11 times while he's running away? And they don't have nothing to say? They have nothing to say at all? There's not, there's not, the cops don't pay vacation. There's not justice being served. And I'm not sitting here saying I got all the answers. I just know that right now, a hashtag is not helping. Wearing a hat is not helping. Or I shouldn't say not helping. I'm, I'm saying it helps with awareness, but it's not helping getting justice. Putting Black Lives Matter on your jersey, that, that's, a, that's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing, but it's not helping. Like, I saw Jalen Rose, and he was, you know, the, the, the NBA countdown set, all black. They were upset, rightfully so. In the middle of a highlight, he says what um, has become kind of a mantra. You know, it would be nice if they arrest the cops that murdered or killed Breonna Taylor. But here's the thing. It's not happening. It's over. There's nothing that's going to happen. I know people say, oh, well, the, the feds are still looking. The feds are looking at Michael Brown. Didn't have nothing happening. It's, it's, this is it. Just like with Zimmerman. Like, you think there's more. There's not more. He's free. He's he, he's free to roam the streets. Two of these cops are going right back on the force. The one cop that did get fired is probably going to get a job in a neighboring county. There's, there's no justice. There's no arrest. Nothing is happening. So to me, we got to figure out something else. <laughs> we got to figure out something beyond hashtags and marching and T-shirts and all of this stuff. And when we're dealing with leagues and networks and brands, you can't, throwing money at it is not working, <laughs> okay? Once again, it's that type of thing like, yeah, it's great that you gave $50 million to whatever, right? That's, all, that's awesome. I'm sure it helps in some regard. But it's not helping when we need to have a rest. And that's really the only thing that is stopping that could stop the cops from doing what they're doing. It's actually being arrested. And not just arrested but actually go to jail out of all of the hashtags, all of the marches, all of the demonstrations, all of the call to action. Can you off the top of your head, remember how many of these cops have actually went to jail? And if they have went to jail, how many have got the maximum sentence? I can't. And I know there's been so many hashtags because every time 
I do a show or every time that I do one of these, I can't even remember all of the names of all of the people that have been wrong. But what I can remember is that nobody's been punished for it. So I ask you, what else can we do? I, I said on Twitter the other day, the system is not broken. The system is working the way they want it to work against us and for them. This is the system in play that's been in play since slavery. You know, when we talk about the laws and things like that, the Supreme Court, the Bill of Rights, you know, the Constitution, all of that was written and done during slavery times. The cops come from slavery times. Judges, lawyers, district attorneys, sheriffs, that all comes from slavery times. So we haven't really evolved. And if you think about it, back then, their whole entire job was to make sure that we did not get equal rights. So nothing has changed. This is the system that we have in place. Frankly, we should blow up the entire thing. We need new constitution. We need new laws. We need everything that we have is antiquated in regard to a fair and equal society. Because the laws were never built for us. They were built for them to keep us down. I mean, when Donald Trump can go on TV and literally say, you know something? Eh, if I don't like the way the election goes, I, I can't promise you it won't be anarchy. I can't promise you I won't try to cheat, lie, and steal. To do, and that's what he's been doing the entire time. So he's been doing his entire life. Cheat, lying, and stealing all the way to the top. You can do that as a white man because that's the way the laws and the system is set up. The laws and the system are set up to protect white men, to allow them to go and move forward regardless of what happens. The system on, on the flip side of that is not to protect black men and women or minorities or immigrants. It's to do the exact opposite. When a poor white person, I've seen it a thousand times, say, I don't even like Trump, but it's better than having a woman in office, better than having a black man in office, it's better than having someone that wants to give equal rights. So I don't know what we're going to do. I thought when I was in my 20s, right, when I was in my 20s, I saw what I thought was a potential change in our country. I thought by 2020, we would be better, not worse. And I don't think that, you know, when I was in my 20s in, in, in 2005, what I've come to realize is that what I thought was, be, was better was actually just me not knowing what was really going on because we didn't have, once again, the awareness. It's been bad. Now it's just bad with an iPhone. <laughs> That's the, that's the only difference. Been horrible the whole time. Just now we can see it. Now my thing is now that you know, what are you going to do about it? Because I heard people say that all the time. Well, why do you got to let people know you? Okay, so they know. Everybody knows, right? I, I would like to think in 2020, you've seen enough of our country, our, the pre your president, the cops, the legal system, the justice system, 
You've seen enough to know that, look, the Wells Fargo guy said, look, I don't want to hire no black people. They're not qualified. I'm not, I didn't look, but I just know that. Look, you, you've seen, you are aware right now. So what are you going to do about it? And that's what I try to tell people. Like, people are aware, they don't care. You understand what I'm saying? They don't care. They don't want change. They push back. Think about it. Think about, just think about this. Real simple. And this is why I say they don't want change. They want pushback. Black people don't bother anybody, really, honestly. If you don't bother us, we don't bother you. It's just the way we are. It's just the way we are. That's why we don't have no issues with, like, masks and stuff like that. You want us to wear a mask, whatever. We don't care. You know, what? It's good. You wear a mask, it's not going to kill nobody. All right, fine. We'll do it. No problem. We don't really, uh, trivial stuff does not bother us. Somebody literally has to be murdered for us to get upset. But just think about this. Think about just the words, black lives matter, right? The words black lives matter. That's all they are, just words, black lives matter. Now imagine just telling somebody those words and them telling you you're a terrorist. You're a communist. You know, you, you hate America. You hate everybody. You're dangerous. Now, you know, it's dangerous to me, LAPD and NYPD. If I say that, that's dangerous. Say Black Lives Matter. What do you exact? What is? What? Here's my fun, the funny. What do Black Lives? When when the white people on Fox News they say, what do what do Black Lives Matter want? I'm like, you know, it's in the title. You know how people tell me, oh, the whole story's in the headline. It's in the headline. We want our lives to matter. That's it. It's not complicated. It is. It's, it's really not. It's not Marxism. It's not all. It's it's it's. That's it. We just would like to be treated the same. That's all. We don't want anything extra. We don't want anything more than anybody else. We just we just like to be left alone and treated the same. If, I, if we walk into a store, just treat it like anybody else has walked into the store. If we ask for a loan for a car and our credit score is 700 and the white person's credit score is 700, we get the same loan at the same interest rate. You know, if we're selling our house and our house is exactly the same setup as our neighbor's house and nothing is wrong with it, we don't want the valuation of the house to be $100,000 less. It's not like difficult things. We're not asking for the, We're not asking for anything. We deserve it, but we're not. Just asking for normal stuff. If I drive my car up to the thing, just, you know, and they say, hey, I got such and such this, how much, and the white guy comes up, you just want it to be the same. That's all. Same opportunities. Same opportunities. Trust me. I see it. I have a website that that on, on, a, on a given day can have a million people on it. I'm not making that up. I'm not making that up. Just happened the other day. Almost. Just happened the other day. 800,000 people on it in one day. That's, that's a year for certain sites. That's six months for certain sites. A month for certain sites. One day. 850,000 people. 2 million page views, 2.5 million page views. One day, one day, if I, was, if I was white, I would have people throwing millions of dollars at me just for the ability to do that in a damn pandemic. Trust me, I, inequality is the issue, but I don't know what we should do because the hashtag's not working. I see today, I see, like I said, I saw Jalen Rose Love Jalen Rose. He does a lot of good things for, for kids. He does a lot of good things, period. But I saw, you know, what he said. And I see today, I see all of this stuff. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more and to keep your same energy, but a segment. But I see all of these 
hashtags and, and think pieces and, and, and videos and all, I see all of this stuff, but I'm like, it's, they're still not, they're still not being charged. They're still not going to jail. So we got to fit. We got to, we got to, we're on this. It shouldn't happen mode. Like I get that. We're all, we're there. It shouldn't happen. We're on the same page with that. We got to figure out how can we stop it from not happening again? Because that's the part that we're, we're not quite at. We're not, we're not there yet. We're at the, this is a travesty. I can't believe this happened. I feel bad for the family. I feel bad for the country. I just don't know what's going on. This is terrible. It's, it's, it, I can't believe this is happening. We're at that point, but we've been at that point for a while. We have to figure out how to get to the next point. The next point is where we can sit back and something happens and we can say justice will be served. Until we get to that, all the other stuff don't matter. You can have as many t-shirts as you want. You can have as many hats as you want. You can have the most famous people in the world begging, pleading for justice, and nothing is gonna happen. Let me let me get to the to the I'm gonna keep on with this, but let's let's get to keep that same energy because we got other stuff that is just as frustrating to talk about. So I talked about this on social media, but now I can break it down in a little more detail on the podcast. It's called The Trap. And every journalist, network, hell, even league and brands do the some version of The Trap. The Trap is essentially to get you to engage with them about whatever they're talking about or whatever they want you to pay attention to. Now, sometimes that could be positive, right? It could be a positive engagement. It's still a trap. So if, you know, like, like the NFL, for example, the reason that they put the in racism and it takes all of us is they want you to engage, especially black people. They want you to feel like, hey, we're doing something for you. Now, the problem with the trap is the intentions. What are people, what are brands, what are leagues, what are networks, what are journalists? What is their intention with the trap? Using me, for example, because I'm not above using the trap as well. If I'm doing a story about Kendall Jenner, I am going to often put in the fact that she did Ben Simmons dirty. Cheated on him several times. The reason that I do that is numbers and stats. Over the years, I've seen that when those things are combined, Kendall Jenner cheating Ben Simmons, the numbers on whatever the article is about goes up. If I put Twitter reacts to something mundane, the numbers go up. For example, let's say Blake Bortles, right? Blake Bortles gets signed by the Broncos. If I put Blake Bortles gets signed by the Broncos, maybe a few people click it. If I say Twitter reacts to Blake Bortles being signed by the Broncos with a photo of Blake Bortles next to Colin Kaepernick, I'm going to get five to 10 times more clicks. 
because A, people want to know if their tweet is included, and B, the symbolism of Kaepernick and Bortles together with you know everything that we know about that situation creates interest. It's a trap. Everybody does it. The way we headline the stories, the way we title a podcast, it's just a trap. Unfortunately, in 2020, people will use racism as a trap to get people to engage with them who otherwise wouldn't pay any attention to them at all. Now, this can only be done in certain ways. So I think it's very clear that you know this. You can't just say whatever the hell you want to say. So I'm going to explain to you some of the differences. And this goes to Maria Taylor. Maria Taylor, very talented reporter for ESPN. Now, if you remember just maybe, uh, I guess, a week ago or maybe two weeks ago, a radio guy said that she was dressed like she was hosting an uh, adult video awards show. That guy got fired, right? Now, you say, wait a minute, he was trying to, you know, tell a joke. He was trying to be engaged. He was using sexism, whatever, to be engaged, but he got fired. See, the difference is you have to know who's your boss, right? And if they are encouraging that heat or if they're trying to stay away from it. If the report, if the radio guy worked for Fox News Radio, likely nothing happens because they do this all the time. It's just he worked for a radio station that didn't want the heat. Which brings us to Jason Whitlock and Clay Travis. So Jason Whitlock is one of many who has decided that they can use racism, police brutality, social injustice as a way of engagement. Meaning they know if they talk about it, especially in a negative way, in a way where they are bigging up the cops and bigging up, you know, the people that are, you know, quote unquote, you know, they're going against the people that are quote unquote woke and all of that stuff. They know they're going to get engagement. They know they're going to get you to react. It's the trap. So here's where everybody messed up with Jason Whitlock is that and why he and Clay Travis could do this because their bosses, at least in general, Clay and Jason, they own outkick the coverage. And Fox Sports doesn't really bother them with what they're doing. So you can get away with more stuff. It's kind of like Fox News, okay? So the trap is Jason writes his story on Maria Taylor, okay? About how, you know, she just got her her, her job because of her looks. You know, just the, the standard stuff that you would expect from Jason, uh, Jason Whitlock. Now, if you ignore the story, nothing happens, okay? That, th this is very important. If you ignore the story... No matter what you thought about it, you, you burn it out. They move on to the next story. The problem was at some point, people noticed the story. And they started clicking on the story. And they started tweeting about the story. And they start reacting to the story. And all of a sudden, Jason Whitlock is trending. And then Katie Nolan, who he took a side shot at, caught a strike. 
reacts to the story. What that does, and this is something that happens in media all the time, in what I like to call trap media, just, just a little insider thing. It's not necessarily the first story that blows up. It's the second, third, fourth, fifth story. You stack them, basically. If you find something that catches a nerve, you keep going with the stories. For instance, if, if I do a story and the tweet doesn't get like much engagement, I just move on to the next story. If I see the tweet has gotten some engagement, now I'm looking for sub stories, I'm adding context, I'm making a thread underneath the tweet because it's getting engagement. People are talking about it. People are watching it. So I want to build on top of that. So as soon as Katie Nolan spoke on it, it gave them an opportunity to make another story. And then when Katie Nolan locked her page and made a, another story, and then when ESPN did something, I don't remember, another story. So story on top of story on top of story. It's a trap. And then I understand what people are saying. It was like, well, we just can't let it go. Well, you should. Because just like we talked about with the hashtags, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> Nothing happens. You know, you know, yeah, I mean, the, the flaming, the going off on, all of that stuff in a vacuum. Yeah, that may feel good, but it's not affecting their bottom line. <laughs> it's actually increasing their notoriety. It's increasing their engagement and it's making them more money. <laughs> So just be aware of that when you fall into the trap. That's exactly what it is. They don't care if you like them. Skip Bayless doesn't care if you like him. I think Skip, you know, didn't articulate whatever he was trying to say about Dak Prescott very well. But what I do know is that the next day, the following show after that, they had better ratings than they had the whole week before. <laughs> so when the executive is sitting back in his chair, the executive over the undisputed, he's like, you know, he he may think or she may think, you know, that was kind of trash what Skip Bayless said. But then on the other end, the ratings went up 25%. Skip not going nowhere. And, and pay very, very close attention. The people that you think you are trying to get out the paint, what's really happening to them? They're making more money. The DA in Louisville is, is, might get on the Supreme Court. Clarence Thomas is on the Supreme Court. It's a trap. You fall for the trap every single time. You, unfortunately, there are people out there, and it's frustrating to me. You guys go after the wrong people. There are people that are on your side. There's people that can fight those battles internally and externally for you, but you don't treat those people very well. And then that's what that's what you end up with Jason Whitlock. Remember, you 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 just tried to get them out the paint, right? You had a whole two days or whatever, three days where you went off on them and felt real good about yourself. And Jason Whitlock is going to be speaking on Capitol Hill about diversity in media because of you. Not because of him. It's because Republicans are like, whoa, we got a black guy that says anti-black things, but he has a media outlet and he gets tons of engagement. Let's bring him to Capitol Hill 
to talk about diversity in media. <laughs> Let's get let he's the one. That's what I say. You gotta be very careful. You Stephen A. Smith, and you're going on with you know Fox News and these guys. It's 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 a trap. I just I just want you to be aware. Like I said, everybody does it to a certain degree. It's just when people do it for for police brutality, for people getting shot and killed, like that's real life stuff. This is not dating. This is not if LeBron is the goat or, or Jordan's the goat. This is you know people actually dying in the streets, and they're willing to use that for a come up. They're willing to use a, a deadly virus for a come up. But you fall right in the trap because, you know, what was Tommy Loren? What she tweeted about the, you know, the, the, the cops and, and all. She tweeted about Breonna Taylor and, and I saw her trending. That's all she wants. I only see these people when other people are giving them life. They need that. They know that. They know that if they just had general, random, rational conversation, nobody would care what they had to say. Stop falling for the trap. And my last thoughts before we head into the to the weekend is, and this really this 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 frustrates me to no end. It it really it went, and this is why I called or named the podcast "Keep That Same Energy" because it is very important to me that I point out when that energy is not being kept the same. You know, ESPN has a lot of African American talent on camera behind the scenes they have both and for the most part when something happens they let them say what they have to say because you know in 2020 it, it's it's okay for business now you know when Jamel Hill and others were saying it back then they got them out the paint but more or less they they now they let them say and you know they do the little you know, they do the little tributes and they show the stories in the E60s and all of that stuff. They have the undefeated. I, I mean, they they want you to believe at a corporate level that they care about black people. But they don't. And it's very clear why. If you truly cared about black people and black lives matter, there is no way in hell the blue hell, that you would let UFC Kobe Covington on your platform call us communists, terrorists, say we deserve to be shot by the cops, spew all this hate message, this racist stuff. You would not be doing that as promo. You would not be tweeting that out. You would not be putting that on your YouTubes. That's not, that's, you wouldn't do that. When it comes to racism, there's no both sides. I think people really need to understand that. You know, because you hear this all the time. Well, you have to hear both sides. You, you have to respect both sides. I mean, respecting both sides is when you're talking about if you like McDonald's or Burger King. If you like Popeye's or KFC. If you like LeBron or Jordan. If you like, you know, Brady or Manny. That's respecting both sides. You see things different ways even if from a political standpoint if you are republican or democrat as long as you just 
not spew racist stuff. I can see that. If you say, you ask somebody, even though it's very difficult to be, for me to believe that someone cannot be racist and support Donald Trump. But just hypothetically speaking, it's your choice to vote for Donald Trump or support Donald Trump. Now, I may ask you why. Now, most of the answers are, aren't good. But but let's, let's just say you don't care about the other stuff. You're against police brutality. You're against all of this other stuff. You say you vote for Donald Trump because in your mind, you honestly believe that he's a good businessman and good for the account, economy and, and hard on terrorists or whatever. And you just, that's the part that you believe, you know, like, but the other stuff, even though I find it hard to believe that this would be true, you know, you're not, you know, you're not for cops shooting people, you for, for equality and all that stuff. You just think that he is a good businessman. Okay. That's another side, but you can't be, I want to shoot protesters and be both sides. Like it's no both sides of something that's fundamentally wrong. Racism is fundamentally wrong. Like there's no, like nobody says like this, like, like murder, right? There's not two sides of murder. If somebody walks in, right, and shoots someone in the head, there's no other side to that. Nobody says there's two sides of that. If you're like human trafficking or anything, like none of that is, is both sides. There's no both sides of supporting like breast cancer. No one says, well, let's talk about not supporting breast cancer. And you have to respect my other side. It doesn't work like that. So there's no both sides. There's no, well, like you saw Dana White says, well, I don't muzzle anyone. That's fine. But what you're saying is, is that it's okay to be racist. That's a side. And you're going to promote that. You're going to make that front and center. You're going to give that headlines, the headline slot. You're going to push that person. And I, I I know that, I mean, Dana White is in with Trump. So I'm not surprised by what he said. I, I'm disappointed in ESPN. That's why people, I'm not saying like, look, I understand Kobe Covington is, is, is doing what he has to do to make money. And, and, you know, nobody cared about who the hell he was until he, that's, it's a lot of people that had did not care. Nobody cared one iota about them until they became Trump supporters. That's, that's why when I got that offer, I, I got I got that offer to basically be, you know, a cooler Whitlock, a skinnier Whitlock. I got that offer. They knew why. Because they knew I had this huge audience. And if I just turned it, I'd have went from I'd have went from a hundred thousand followers to two hundred and fifty thousand followers overnight. If I'd have flipped. They knew they could they could use me. And they 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 dangled cash and other things in front of me. Because they know. Now the question is if 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 Trump does it doesn't win, you know, what happens to all of these people because he is their meal ticket? Do people just stop caring? I don't know, but that's a totally different other thing. But ESPN is hypocritical. That is hypocritical. That that is that that that's the the NFL, it's just like the NFL and Kaepernick and Eric Reed. In racism, it takes all of us. Well, it, it's 32 teams and Blake Bortles has a job. And I'm sure there's some safeties out there that aren't great. It's all that's hypocritical to me. The NBA is a little better, but in general, it's just a lot of it's a lot of uh, uh, hypocrites out there.
You can't be like what is it, Fox Sports. You can't say that they, you know, you let Clay Travis run wild. You, you, I mean, it just doesn't work like that. You you can't be an ally. You can't be like, well, we got to give both both sides of racism. It just it just doesn't it just doesn't work like that. Even with all this, I hope you guys have a good weekend. Uh, check out the Charlos on uh, pay per view, Fox uh, pay per view. Two brothers that are trying to do big things. And look, you know, the people that they're fighting against, Sergey Derevinchenko, uh, uh, Rosario, they're good guys too. So we're just hoping for good fights and good, dear Lord, please, if it goes to the scorecards, hopefully the judges don't embarrass me again. It's hard being, you know, a boxing like person and then you see these scorecards and man, it's just, it's just totally, it's totally embarrassing. But check that out. Uh, obviously, it's a lot of football, basketball, everything that's going on. We'll be back. Please keep that same energy. Be safe. I know sometimes I can talk like, hey, the world is falling, but we just got to put one foot forward, one step at a time, and hope and pray, even though I don't know prayers enough these days, that, that things get better. Be sure to check out the website, blacksportsonline.com, and register for my email list for all the new updates. Listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Follow me on Twitter at BSO, Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, BSOTV, and much appreciation to my podcast partners at ABF Creative for all their hard work in making this weekly podcast a success. I'm out.